can't do it. We'll do it live. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Giants fans, we are back with another reaction. Sorry about the hiatus, but the Giants suck. We all know it. We wanted to take a little bit of a break. Don't forget to follow us on all social media platforms at Big Blue all year. And like, subscribe, rate, whatever you can do on wherever you get your podcasts. Take it away, fellas. The New York Giants face against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Daniel Jones, 25 for 41. 256 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. Wayne Goldman running all over the field. 12 carries for 44 yards and a touchdown. With his 256 yards, Daniel Jones spread the ball around. The touchdown's coming from Golden Tate and Deion Lewis. The defense recorded two sacks. One by Leonard Williams, the other by rookie Carter Coughlin. No relation. The Giants lose the game 23-25, resulting in a 1-7 record. How much did Tom Brady pay the referees? Who will be fired first in the Giants organization? Find out next on Big Blue All Year. This has been our New York Minute. Holy shit, Giants fans. We took a break off because I thought that, my God, the Philadelphia Eagles game broke our hearts and it couldn't possibly get any worse. And then the Tampa Bay Bucks come to town. So, look, I think there's going to be a lot of talk about Daniel Jones from this game, really until his rookie contract is up. But let's just jump into the game. Boys, we were there. We had a chance to win. What the It's just the same old story every fucking week, man. So many missed opportunities, so many miscues, so many bad plays. But, like, at the same time, the defense, like, I I can't, like, you can't ask the defense to do anything better. They held Tom Brady to, what, 25 points when he's scoring 32 points a week? I mean, it's it's upsetting because they really had me thinking that maybe we'd sneak away with a win. Really first time did. all season, the Bucks didn't score a touchdown in the first quarter, let alone the first half. It's like, again, like we have things to ride home about, but it doesn't fucking matter when there's no, there's no addition to the W column. It's just it was, so redundant, man. It was just a little cock tease, you know? I feel like we were at the strip club, you know? Just thinking we were all going to have the ending. Over the pants hand job is what we're gonna was. go back to our Mons Venus talk, you know, from our commercial. <laughs> Let me we were, tell you something. We were there. Man, like, <laughs> all we, had, we if we learn how to close out games, like, dude, they, there's a stat they lost what, like five of their six games by like six or eight points or less or whatever. I don't fucking remember. Like less than it was like five that were all less than ten or something like that. They're yeah. dude, they're right there. They can't. Dude, there was a troubling stat they posted on the game. It was uh, Daniel Jones after those two turnovers. I believe he has 31 turnovers in what is it, 20 games now? And the only person who has more than him, 34. 34. And it was Ryan Leaf had 40. So that is not good company, Giants faithful. Ryan Leaf really just, there is no possible context in which you (laughs) in that is a positive conversation. There's the time. 
man. At least he's won games. Like, you know, like, or Danny John, like, Dimes is, like, shown positives. Like, Ryan Leaf was just, like, I mean, the dude, worst. the fact that he, that he, I mean, dude, that pass to Golden Tate at the end was a fucking, was oh. nice. And the fact dude, that, Louis, like, Louis Riddick was jerking him off. I was like, yeah, yeah that's he right, was. Louis. You were like, oh, Dwayne Haskins, then. I mean, Danny Dimes. At the same time, though, like, the Giants are nowhere near as talented as most of these teams that they're fucking playing, dude. And they're right there with them. Like, I don't care. I, like, there's a reason Joe Judge was chosen to be the coach of this team. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I, I'm still riding with them, even though if they go 1-15. Three, at least I think I, every, two, two comments and a question. One, Lewis Riddick, if he called Sterling Shepard Russell Shepard one more fucking oh. time, I was going to freak out. Uh, like, Dude, that was three it? times he did Dude, that. I was like, like, yo. Come the fuck on. How like, hard is it? Like, you're a professional broadcaster. Like, to fuck up once, okay. Twice, eh, three times. I mean, somebody we know might have a little quarter. Fit. He did that. He just didn't stop. I was like, looked at my roommate Billy. I'm like, yo. like, I know he was on the Giants. I know he was on the Panthers, but he ain't nobody. The idea that, yeah, they have the last, the same last name, but how many Smiths? I don't even think it's spelled the same. <laughs> No, I, I think he, you're right. He, he was cut. He was not even on the team this year. This year, no. No, he's not here. Last year he was. I was like, Entire where is that? That's the craziest part. That's the most ironic. So number two, though, you know what I absolutely love? Walking after the game, Joe Judge was heated about that bullshit pass interference pickup. He was still screwed. Like, he was like, nah, fuck you. Like, you see him on the... Uh, on the broadcast, mass down, walking to half field to, you know, say hi to the coaches or whatever the hell they do, and just screaming, nah, fuck that, fuck you. Like, he was, I, honestly, I'll be surprised if he's not fined, which, good, take that fine, because that was. Uh, eat it. I, like, I injected it to my veins, like, could you see Pat Shermer having that kind of fucking energy on the sideline? I don't oh, think so. Oh, boy. I don't think Ben Magadu oh, had the oh, energy no. to get that angry. Now, ben McAdoo was good until he cut his hair. I'm telling you, that's what put this team down. I'm so I'm superstitious because I'm Italian, but like, let me tell you something. No, I don't look like a greasy slick back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ben McAdoo doesn't scream New York grease ball, but you know. He... <laughs> but but his last name ends in a vowel. But <laughs> I love to see the fire from Joe Judge, and these guys play for him. They know he that he's got their back. Now, let's get back to that pass interference penalty after one question. Let's see if you're a true Giants fans. At what point did you know that the game was over and did you know that that's how the play was going to go? You, There is a correct answer and it was very, very predictable. We have seen this happen all the time. There was an inflection point. Do you recall what it was? I do not. Do you want to take a guess? I was more upset that he they ran the same play after the timeout that the Bucks called. I don't know if you called that. They ran the same formation. I don't know if that's maybe what you're getting into. So I know what play you're talking about. That was disappointing when we had enough time to rethink it. And yeah, anything. But here is the play that lost the game. From this moment, the game was over. We were up fourteen to six. The Giants got the ball back. Oh yeah. Second half. Yep. Any time that the Giants have been provided, what did I say in the text group? This drive is what a good, if we can pretend, if the Giants can pretend that they are a good football team, they drive down the field and score points here. 
you would have gone up 21 to six to start the third quarter. We throw an interception. And, and like, I mean, it's just it's so predictable. And think of the amount of time that could have been taken off the clock, too. And who it's cares like, if we were in a position to win or tie, at least tie and force overtime? As every true Giants fan knows, that moment, the game was over. Doesn't matter what happened. We knew it. We've seen this game before. We've seen the game. It really is like so sad, dude. It's like, it, it, it's killing me. Now, that said, now that said, though, scrap all that shit because we were in a position and Daniel Jones needs to put the ball to the pylon. He was inaccurate all week. I'm a huge Daniel Jones apologist. We're going to talk a lot more about it probably this week and as the year goes on and, and the years go on. He needs to put that ball to the pylon and we score those that two. We convert on the two-point conversion. However, are you fucking kidding me, boys? How do you pick up that flag? Yeah, what was said in that little powwow that uh, resulted in the nullification of that flag? That's what I was thinking. I, was like, I knew once they, they conferenced that it was coming back immediately because they I think they did it earlier in the game. And I was like, I was like you know, whenever it was a conference, it never goes well. What was it against the Bears? When we had that pass, or there was a flag and they picked it up or something. It was one game yeah. this year. There was a there was a penalty in the end zone and they picked it up and the Giants lost because it was fourth down. And I was like, what the fuck? And, I mean, how oh, many yeah. did we have that were far more tic-tac than that? Like, are you that Cameron Brayton? That's a big one, dude. What the fuck? Dude, he was just like whole bracing himself to get it, in. It's and like they threw so 15 yards fucked. for that. Oh, the helmet to helmet? Yes, that's Yo, what that I'm was about. awful. That was awful. I've been in- even the, the guys in the booth, Lewis Rick is like, dude, are you kidding me? This is oh, just <laughs> speaking earlier about chugging dick on that play. The announcers were like, Antoine Winfield, he just comes bursting out of the middle of the field to cover it. Well, A, he was late. Daniel Jones had put that on target, he would have not been in position to cover him. And B, I don't give a shit. It was a penalty. Like, look, games. There should have been so many reasons that the Giants shouldn't have had to rely on a penalty call at that moment of the game, but it does not matter. In a vacuum, not only did he hit him before the ball arrived, but as the shaman himself has taken multiple pictures and sent it to us over the last day, it is so very clear that his hands are on, uh, was it uh, Dion Lewis's hands, excuse me. It's a penalty, plain and simple. The guy threw it. Why are we picking it up? It's, it's fucking horseshit. Yeah, like, give me the uh, enough evidence. That's what they always say, right? Well, it looks like a clean play, but there's just not enough evidence to return. So where Saliani, the fuck was the evidence? Was, I mean, uh, Disciple, what was the tweet you had about that? Or was it something you had retweeted uh, last oh, night? Oh, no. I, I <laughs> tweeted it from our Twitter, at Big Blue All Year, for those interested. We said that I bet that if number 12 would have thrown that same ball, that flag never would have gotten picked up. And I mean, are you going to tell me? I believe we lost the disciple. He's on the road to Florida as we speak. Um, to meet the other Florida man. Yeah. <laughs> However, ooh, we're, we're losing you. Those those wild roads in Delaware, you know, it's just really, really in the cut. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's use that as, ah, the Susquehanna, you yeah. Oh, whatever that is. He's into the Chesapeake Bay. Yeah, there we go. He is. He is. He is. is. Um, Well, all right. Giants fans, let's use that segue to introduce a new segment 
that is only for our Rapid Reactions episodes. And this is Big Blue All Year's version of The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And I think we got something for every Giants fan generation. So, boys, I will go first. My Eli Manning of the week goes to a Mr. Patrick Graham. I mean, come on. Look at what this dude is doing. Again, I mean, literally against some of the best teams in the league. How many times did the announcers, I mean, what, Riddick and Steve Levy, say that Graham's play calling was confusing Tom Brady pre and post snap? And I mean, that is the GOAT we're talking about, my friend. So, I mean, look, defense coordinator, he's making this a respectable unit. We got seventh round draft picks out there making plays. Carter Coughlin getting a sack. And there are guys out there playing quality minutes for us that literally shouldn't be on NFL rosters. So, can't wait to see what he can do with more talent. That's my mayonnaise of the week. Next up, my Ray Hanley of the week goes to penalties. But I am not one to sit here and cry about refs, and the Giants were absolutely culpable in some of those uh, situations. But look, the roster is simply not talented enough to beat most teams, let alone when we're beating ourselves. But come the fuck up. Like, we just talked about it. DJ needs to make it not a question. But it was a pass interference. You're making those calls all game. And you pick up the flag? That's bad. It's bad shit. And finally, as much as it pains me to say, my max dodge of the week goes to Daniel Jones. I've alluded to it. You're going to hear me defend this kid for quite a while longer. And there was a lot of good, which is part of the frustration part. He shows you shit that is amazing. Let's call it what it is. The majority of the Giants team played winning football on Monday. Daniel did not. His two turnovers were really, really bad. But his misses on some wide open areas, both the ones he saw and tried to make and missed or the ones he just didn't see, might have been worse. I see some better days ahead, but holy shit was Jones ugly. Matt Dodge ugly. What mattered most. Hey, I'll even say one more thing. Even Bruce Arians is like about Dan Jones. He's like, he's doing way too much out there. And that's the other Keens coach. So, dude. Oh, Danny. All right. So, my Eli man thing of the week goes to, I'll go to another coach, Joe Judge. This man continues to work hard and motivate his players, regardless of being in last place in one and seven. Dude, encouraging signs for a rookie head coach who could easily have been keeling over like you know his predecessors, Ben McAdoo and Pat Shermer did. The progress is showing with the young roster, youngest roster in the league, sorry. And every week he's proving all the doubters wrong as to why he belongs as the head coach of the New York football giants. And also, I thought you said Ray Finkel, and I was almost about to crack up. And I was like, damn, that is actually not a bad ugly. <laughs> Nothing to do with the giants, folks. Finkel is but, <laughs> so my Ray Hanley goes to, unfortunately, James Bradbury. Uh, Bradbury uh, has been playing at an elite level all season, but Mike Evans definitely got the better of him on Monday night. He surrendered four catches. He gave up the go-ahead touchdown in the fourth quarter. And then Bradbury got tied up in a controversial pass interference call, battling with Evans on a crucial third and seven on the Giants 44 with less than four minutes left, uh, which gave them a 15-yard penalty and a first down. Wound up leading to the game-winning field goal by Ryan Suckup. So, that sucks. <laughs> and, uh, well, the Burgers, Matt Dodge. I love how we choose Matt Dodge as our ugly, by the way. 
is definitely going to Levine Toyolo. Dude, this man looked fucking clueless as an eight-year veteran on the field last night. I think he dropped the only pass, and he wasn't even looking. Like, it was just like a, like a quick out route. He wasn't even ready. Um, we signed him for two years and $6.2 million uh, to block, right? Well, hmm, he doesn't really block particularly well, as he has a 30.8 pass blocking and a 58.1 run blocking grade this season. So it looks like that's a waste of money. He's a waste of a roster spot. And, you know, if he can't do the one job he signed him to, why is he on this fucking roster? Disciple, take us away. All right. My Eli Manning of the game is going to be Leonard Williams. I feel like uh, he performed at a high level this game. He had a sack. And I believe he was the PFF highest rated player on the whole team last night. He or, was. Or maybe he just on the was. defense. So, you know. Yeah, the price tag sucks, but you can't say he ain't working because he's putting on a hell of a fucking audition for either the Giants or somebody else going forward. Uh, my right handler is going to be Daniel Jones. Yeah, it just it's just like since he threw that one pick in the Steelers game, it's just never stopped. The fumbles have been kind of cleaned up, so I'll give Daniel Jones that. But, man, these picks are getting so frustrating. Especially when you have the opportunity to go up by what two, three possessions, like it just it just sucks. And I, you know, we forgot what rookie pains feel like. I always keep saying that, but it's so true. Because he, yeah, I mean, he's not a rookie, but he's still a young quarterback. He's still, I don't know, I don't know what's gonna happen going forward because it's not looking good right now. He's still got eight games to prove that he's the guy, but I, these first eight have not been. Uh, nice to him. So for my Matt Dodge of the game, I'm going with the drama between Golden Tate, the Giants, and Golden Tate's wife. She was on Instagram blasting the Giants because uh, her husband was always open, quote unquote, and not being targeted. Only had a couple catches. She was very uh, critical of what was going on in the field and it even looks worse that Golden Tate wasn't traded. If he was, it would have been like, all right, you know, we're good. Wipe your hands off. But uh, now he's still on the team. It's kind of created an awkward situation, I feel like. Back to you, Mac. Well, that does it for Big Blue All Year's first version of our the good, the bad, and the ugly, or as we call it, the Manning, the Hanley, and the Dodge. It's the Diamond Dodge. I dig. We're We're competing. It it almost makes it worse because we have to watch the game and there's something to root for. And then we we still lose. They just crush it. Hey, if anybody has been watching the Giants as consistently as we have, I will take a team fighting that is fun and entertaining that gets me this fucking riled up every week than some of the dog shit we've seen the last few years where we're not even competing. The players just they're checked out so um we'll we'll catch you back here in a few days while we talk about the week nine matchup hopefully we have some more things that are positive to finally talk about here in the next couple of weeks but shaman take us out Mm, big mac Mm, big mac we got a special segment from big mac himself
Giants fans, welcome to another edition of The Football Games. Injuries. May the odds be ever in your favor. This segment lets Big Blue All Year's medical expert, Big Mac, a Duke University graduate with 40 years of experience as an athletic trainer and physical therapist, give us some real talk on the Giants injuries. First up, Saquon Barkley. Now, Barkley tore his ACL on September 20th. Uh, we've had conversations about this, Big Mac, but he just had surgery here at the end of October. That is nearly 40 days after the injury. What gives? Well, it used to be uh, a long time ago when they first tried to repair these and then go to reconstruction uh, that they operated it very soon after injuries, but they found that that was a disaster. A knee that was swollen, that lacked motion and lacked quad control, did not respond to rehab very well. So the consensus now is to rehab the individual, get the swelling out of the knee, restore full range of motion so they can come back and recover much more quickly from the surgery. So the standard of care is to get the swelling out and return the person to almost a pre-injury level prior to doing the surgery. Generally speaking, Big Mac, how long does a process like that take? Is this 30, 40-day window standard, or is does this seem like a longer process for you? Depends on how swollen he was. Uh, you know, sometimes I think it takes about six weeks to recover from that acute stage of the injury. So restore the motion, restore the strength, and then do the surgery. Okay, so from what I hear from you, it's not that crazy, but I feel like we hear all the time about players getting surgery in the days or sometimes the day of, like, hey, they went to the hospital and are getting surgery tonight. Like, why Why is this different? Because it's a joint. If you have an Achilles tendon uh, injury, they want to repair it fairly quickly. If you have anything to do with a joint, you need to get the acute stage out of it. If I fracture my tib-fib, well, I have to have that pinned and taken care of right away. But it's different when you're dealing with a joint, particularly the knee joint. Big Mac, speak to me as if child, not just your child, but blanketly a child. You threw out tendon, bone, tib-fib uh, versus joints. What is the uh, kindergarten view? What the hell's the difference? What are you talking about? Well, when you talk about a joint, you're talking about a knee is a joint, an ankle is a joint, a shoulder is a joint, a hip is a joint. The bones are the tibia and fibula. If I fracture that right in mid-shaft, boy, I have nothing to stand on, literally. I have to be repaired at that time. The joints are simply where two bones come together and the body uh, forms a surface and it has ligaments around it to hold it together. Okay. Much okay. more different, much different. The, so lastly on this, the other part of this report is that apparently some of the delay was due to Saquon's surgeon, and I will probably get this wrong, but Dr. Neil Elatrache, uh, who is also the Dodgers team physician, he was waiting until the World Series to be over. Now, I, I obviously have no idea what the hell I'm talking about, but when you're talking about the best surgeons in the world, presumably... Are we splitting hairs here? Like, would you rather see someone get surgery on time or wait for, you know, your guy? Like, what's the big difference? Well, I think there's more than one of your guys. There's a lot of sharp people out there doing the reconstruction of that particular ligament. But if he's been treated by him in the past, is confident with him. And for the same reason, we're waiting that six weeks to get the swelling out. Then I think there's no problem waiting to get to use your guy. 
But like I said, there's a lot of your guys out there from uh, people all over the country, from New York City for the hospital special surgery to people on the coast. Uh, it really is your choice depending on who you have confidence in. And last thing on Barkley before we move on, Big Mac. So this is a November the 3rd, coming to you live on Election Day. What is your prognosis about him being ready for preseason at the end of August in 2021? How well, are you I, feeling about his recovery? I think he should be running by that time. He may be doing some cutting by that time. Um, we're pushing it a little bit when it's only nine months post-surgery. I know that uh, Adrian Peterson did it, but I think he's the exception to the rule. I want him completely ready with no setbacks in his rehab and uh let's see if we can have a great year with him the following year so obviously it will very much determine on what we find out over the next nine months but from what i am hearing big mac you would err on the side of caution of let's not push this guy in week one maybe halfway through the season he's closer to to form knowing he's a freak sort of like ap but to your point it, this seems like a pretty tight timeline to expect a even a 90% Saquon Barkley for week one of 2021. I, I think there's there's a time factor, but there's also objective criteria. I have no swelling. I have full range of motion. And I've gone through stages in my rehabilitation. Let's say there's eight stages in it. And I've completed each stage and been successful. Now at stage eight, I'm running, cutting, uh, jumping, turning. Still haven't had contact yet. So long as I go through those stages and I'm successful, then if it's nine months, then I let him return. If it isn't, then it's 12 months and I let him return. He's got to complete the stages. It's more of how he completes his rehab versus a time frame. Fair enough. I'm sure we're going to have plenty of more conversations as information starts to come out about his rehab and as we turn the clock to next season. So let's move on for tonight. And another player that we have talked about previously, Xavier McKinney, excuse me, I mean, frankly, it's hard to believe we're already close to week 12 of the NFL season. And I mentioned that because McKinney underwent surgery in late August, specifically to repair uh, his broken fifth metatarsal in the foot. And week 12 at the time was the suspected earliest we could get him back. So Big Mac, remind the people what this specific injury means. Well, a fracture of the fifth uh, metatarsal. It's a significant injury. It's the bone on the outside of the foot that you push off with. So in surgery, they're either going to plate it or pin it. And then uh, when he returns to play, they may have an orthotic in the shoe to take some pressure off it. But it's what a person does. An athlete has to push off that foot, land on that foot. So you want to make sure he's ready. Again, he's got to go through his stages of rehab. Plus, his x-rays have to show that there's good healing. He passes those stages of the rehab. Then at eight to 12 weeks, he may be ready to return. But if we're one in seven or one in 10 at that particular time, and there's some question, I say, wait till next year. So actually, then my, my last question, I'll move up, just given what you said, making a judgment call, Big Mac. Let's say he passes whatever criteria you would need to see to get him on the field. This, these are your options. Getting to see what he can do and getting him some experience as a rookie versus let him rest up in a lost season and hopefully keeping him healthy for the next three years. Assuming he is 100% healthy based on whatever criteria, given those two options, what's your call? Well, if he passes all his criteria, including the time constraints we talked about, then I say you let the guy play. 
Okay, so then, and my last question on McKinney then, this particular injury we're talking about, I feel like the foot is always tricky. I mean, you hear about Hakeem Nix, his, I feel like his career was derailed. Ahmad Bradshaw can, always had issues with the screws in his feet. Does this particular foot injury have a higher risk of re-injury than say another type of injury? I think he does uh, have, it, particularly in the early stages, more of a chance of re-injury. The more time passes, you know, the better it is. But still, I say you got to use your time constraints, but also passing all the stages of rehab and functional testing, able to run, jump, twist and turn with no pain at all. So it almost might sound like what I'm hearing from you, Big Mac, it could be a blessing in disguise if maybe his rehab doesn't go a hundred percent that yeah we'd love to see what this guy does on the field and i really would love to see what the Giants' secondary looks with this infusion of young talent but if it could be at the handicap of him getting re-injured i would just as soon see him heal up as best as humanly possible and come back ready to rock and roll for the next three years no i i'll go back to say if there's any doubt no he shouldn't play if there isn't doubt and both he and the doctors and rehab people agree let him play. Fair enough. All right, lastly, Big Mac, the injury that we have for you is the Giants fans. So let me throw a stat at you. Since the end of the 2016 season, and boy, was I there, and it was cold in Green Bay that day, the Giants are 13-43, and 43, really, since the infamous boat trip. One of, if not the worst team in the league during that span. And this year, you can make the argument either way, but it's almost worse because we're competing. Like, we have to watch these games to the very end. And Giants are getting, uh, Giants fans are getting their hearts broken. Now, I know you're no cardiologist, but what advice do you have for broken hearts? Well, all I tell Giant fans is to go back to the 60s and remember the heartbreak from the 60s to the 80s. I still remember sitting in Giants Stadium playing the Cowboys, Phil Simms is quarterback. It might be his first or second year. Ernest Gray is going down the field. He's wide open and he catches the pass and Giant fans look at each other and say, what's wrong here? How can we possibly catch a pass against the Dallas Cowboys? So, you know, we suffered a lot. We've had some terrible draft choices. You know, you got to suffer a little bit. And if you suffer a little bit, the joy is so great when you start winning again, which is coming soon. And, you know, nine and seven isn't a bad record this year. <laughs> I know you tell me all about your optimism all the time, but somehow live on air, it's just that much more humorous and cute. I mean, how many times, it, solely in the context of my Giants fandom, have you called me spoiled over the last two decades? So, Well, Big Mac, appreciate you as always. And that does it for this week's The Football Games. Catching injuries, may the odds be ever in your favor. Well, you heard it from our resident doctor himself. Nine and seven ain't that bad. But as I said in the beginning, please like us at Big Blue All Year on all social media platforms. And rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.